welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. On today's podcast, I'll be interviewing Adam Gennady about basically everything, but focusing mainly on his record label, Hello America Stereo Cassette, where he releases audio recordings of writers' work. Adam is both a writer and musician whose work is released as a series of books and records that share characters and themes. On this episode, we discuss tattoos, the process of making literary cassettes, weird coffee, and Ikea. At some point in the interview, I ask him an off-the-record question that will usually just be reserved for patrons of Textual Healing on Patreon, but I thought it would be fun just to share this one because it's a pretty fun answer. Not to say everything we discuss in the episode, I think it's time to start the show. I'm sorry it took so long. I was uh, crazily searching Facebook because I know we met in person once at a reading, and I just couldn't remember the name of the damn reading. (laughs) Yeah, what was it called? That was... Extremely Highbrow Literature, and you and Nate came out for it, and it was at the Whistler in Chicago. That is a good name for a reading. Yeah, it came from, I, I stole it from Nate because he said it at one point <laughs> in his book. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it. And it's funny. He never even noticed it was his own words. So I was like, cooler for me. <laughs> I'm going to tell him. Yeah, totally. Tell him. Tell him. Oh, my God. I want to hear his response. <laughs> he was like, that's a great name. And I was just like, yeah, most people really don't remember the things that they said. <laughs> But no, it was cool meeting you there. I think afterwards we took you to a diner. Yeah, I think we went to Chicago Diner, right? It's a the vegetarian place, vegan place. Was it yep, that what it that's was? Definitely that what it, was? it. Yeah, totally. I I love that place. They have uh the original diner is in Wrigleyville and it's much bigger. But I really liked the uh cool retrofit they did for the second one. I think I've only been to the first one, I mean, before we all went to the second one. Potentially. The flagship or something. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that's on Wikipedia. It's got to be. <laughs> it definitely, I mean, I found you on Wikipedia, so it must be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, me, me going to the, me, I, I'm just, I was joking about me going to the restaurant being on Wikipedia, which would be weird. My Wikipedia is like all like so wrong. Everything on there is wrong. So I recently updated Noah's just because I was bored. No, <laughs> maybe I might fuck with yours. I do don't it. know. Do it. You should make up some shit. Make up some really like bad rumors. Oh, man, I'm totally going to do it. I swear to God, I'm totally going to do it. Well, I was the Unabomber. So that's like one thing you could you could do that. Perfect. Yeah. I was just actually watching a documentary about the Unabomber, it did not have the right effect on me and my boyfriend because I was like, dude, this is wild. And he was like, I don't know. I like his lifestyle. (laughs) And like they start going through his manifesto and my boyfriend's even more like, he also makes sense a lot. I dig his ideas. I just don't want to kill anybody. And I was like, okay, just Unabomber light. 
Yeah, the the killing part's not very chill. No, but the rest is pretty. It, it is cool. interesting though. The fashion. He's got. He's yeah. got a good like the sunglasses and hood is. I can totally get down with that. I uh, the only thing I can't get down with is really just the fact that he lived in that really crazy tiny cabin and was very confident about making bombs in it. Oof. Like. Yeah, I don't even use I don't even use firecrackers. I'm f- afraid of like black cat firecrackers and like matches and stuff like that. Damn, yeah. that's wild. I I someone told me that his cabin is like was taken apart and then rebuilt in a museum in in somewhere in, around the Smithsonian. Oh shit, you just gave me somewhere I want to drive to now. Totally, yeah. I've never had any interest in checking out the Smithsonian before. But yeah, maybe I might just make some coffee and just <laughs> drive over there now. It can't be too long, maybe like 12 hours. Do it. But that makes me more intrigued. <laughs> I've definitely been in a really weird serial killer slash just infamous bomber mood. And Netflix has definitely been like feeding into that and it's getting to know my likes. And... I don't know why, but my two younger nieces are into that thing with me, too. And a couple days earlier, my niece was like, okay, I think it's right for me to get my second tattoo, and you should come with me, and we'll get matching tattoos. And I was just like, slow your roll. What? (laughs) And it's because I posted it on Twitter as a joke. And you can't joke with people in their early 20s. Apparently, they're all like, Hell yes, let's do it. <laughs> and I think I I mentioned something about murderers and we should get a tattoo. And she was like, we should get the Zodiac killer symbol. Oh, and I fuck. was like, I can't, I can't walk around my life with the Zodiac killer symbol on my wrist. That's living it way too hard. I don't think you want to go that to that dark, dark corner. I mean, I have some weird tattoos as is, but... You know, I don't think she's ready to make the plunge into my weird tattoos, and I'm not ready to make the plunge into her weird tattoos. <laughs> yeah, wait till wait till it speaks to you. Yeah, I've got some. I think I have. Oh, I think. Of course, I know that I have them. I have these. I have a couple bars, like, um, like parallel bars on my wrist that a bunch of my friends in Oxford have. Um, so it's like a, it's like a handshake. You put your handshakes together, and like your, your bars all connect. So that's like a friend tattoo. That was like a that was a stick and poke that I got in London. And there's um, there's a there's a Picasso bullfighter on my shoulder, fighting the bull. And you kind of can't tell whether the bull's about to kill him or he's going to kill the bull. So it's sort of ambiguous. And I like that because it's sometimes like you're the bull and sometimes you're the the guy that kills the bull and it goes back and forth. I've got a typewriter, also that I got a long time ago, and then. During a, like a really bright eyes obsessed portion of my younger years, I got like a wavery, like w- winding skeleton that's kind of like a little tribute to one of the record covers of, I think the record's called Every Day and Every Night. I think it's an EP. Speaking of EPs, what kind of tech do you use for Hello America stereo cassette? So, um, for my own things that I record, I have a... Um, uh, it's like a Tascam Pocket Studio, and then a lot of times I'll I've recorded with bands, so I'll, it'll just be like in like their home studios, or like we'll actually book studio time. But if I'm recording on my own, it's just this little Tascam thing. And I also have an app on my phone 
uh, that like does really nice, like just single track recordings. I dig it. Cause I, I've listened to a few of the things and the audio is really good. Pre pre clean. Yeah. And everybody else that records, I mean, they, they use a lot of people to use, um, like phones, phone apps and, and then some people actually like are in bands. So they've got some of the people that I've released have stuff like they've got like a little home studio. So that, that helps a lot. What's the process like, like someone sends you something and they're like, this is a really cool thing I want to do. And then you approve it and then they record it or. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like, like doing a book, you know, somebody will get in touch with me and be like, I've written this, I've done, I recorded this record. Would you, would you put it out? And then I'll say no. And then, um, or they'll say, it'll give me a single track and I'll, I'm more apt to like pick up a single track and put it on a mixtape than a full record just because, you know, like cost wise. And I only do, I, I put out one, one cassette a month. So I've got, it's gotta be, I've got to make it count. Um, so it's just, you know, people submitting things. And then I, if I like it, I'll tell them about the royalty process, which is, um, it's pretty simple. It's just like 50% of the money that comes in goes to them and 50% goes to the label. And if I like it, I'll just, I'll, I'll put it out. While you're considering it, do you consider like word count or like how long you feel it would take for that person to read it? Well, usually they, they come to me with finished tracks. Cause I don't, I don't I, like some people send like, Hey, what do you think about this story? But just because it's a good story doesn't mean it's going to translate to a good audio recording. And they might have like a terrible voice or like really bad delivery or they might like say a lot of ums or f just fuck up all the time. So I, I, I basically want them to give me like a fine, uh, a completely final track that I can say yay or nay on. And if it's, if I'm pitching somebody a record, it's generally going to be somebody that I've worked with. So I can be like, I know this person can pull it off. So for the last two records, like Nate and Nicole mornings, I was like, will you give me a, re will you record a record for me? Because I'd put out a few of their tracks on comps and I knew that I liked their work and that they'd be able to pull it off without sounding stupid or weird or lame. I dig it. I dig it. So why did you decide to do cassettes? Cassettes. Well, I really like cassettes. I like the aesthetic of cassettes. I like how light they are and you know, you can get them in many different colors. The manufacturer that I go through cryptic carousel uses um, just like there's a whole variety of cool looking colors and, I think they sound cool and kind of noisy. Like when you, when you listen to them on an old cassette player, they can kind of sound a little blown out and, and, and a little like shitty versus digital, which is just so clean and, and great, you know, which is that it's, it's own serves its own purpose. And, and then like vinyl's really expensive. Oh, I've always wanted to do a vinyl thing where I do vinyl audiobooks for Maudlin. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind doing that, but I don't even know how much that process costs. It sounds like it'd be hell. Oh, it's so expensive. Like I've, I've had vinyl, vinyl of like my own readings come out from other labels and I've seen like what they've spent. And it's just like, I don't know if it's worth it because. So for instance, this, there's a compilation that just came out that I have a, I have a little like piece of writing on, on, a, on this label and they sent out their finances for it. So they printed 262 or two, 300, 300 um, records and the records cost like $15 a piece to produce, which is crazy because cassettes are, um, cassettes are pretty cheap. Like mine are 
like about three bucks a piece to do, I think, versus fifteen. And I mean, vinyl's way cooler, and um, people buy vinyl more than they buy cassettes. But just like I don't really have that kind of like money going into it. Someday maybe. I think it'd be pretty pretty sick to do like a like a a double recording of like a novella or something like that, double vinyl. I was actually thinking right before the show, and that's why I actually did a poll seeing how many people still had cassette players, and 70% did. And I was like, oh, a lot more than I thought. Because, like, I really like the idea. I don't even know where you get a cassette player these days, except maybe Amazon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can buy them on Amazon or you can buy them at thrift stores. There's actually a this one tape label that I like that you can buy their tapes, but they also have an option to add a cassette player to it. So it's like a, like a little portable um, one with headphones and it adds like 15 bucks or something like that to it, which is really cool. Cause then you can be like, well, I'm getting the whole package right now. And someday I'm going to like maybe rip off that idea. And, and once I figure out a hookup to get a bunch of really cheap cassette players and they're all made, you know, they're made really cheaply and um, like in truck stops, you can get them I mean, in truck stops. That's one place that where I've always got them. Driving across the desert, you'll get them for like, they're you know like ten bucks. So if they're selling for ten bucks, you can probably get them wholesale somewhere for way cheaper. You just I just have to find the right hookup. I mean, really, you just have to look at like who their supplier is, and yeah, yeah, and it's, it, that, that's that's All part right. of the plan. I really want one. Well, if I find one in the, I'll, I'll send you one. Really? Yeah, that'd be lit. Yeah. Damn, I forgot I was start saying rad, not lit. People <laughs> oh. criticizing my use of lit. Are you switching over? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's almost like an addiction. I have a withdrawal period where I'm still like occasionally being like, that's lit. That's rad. <laughs> it's rad. Oh, I definitely say rad because I'm from California. That's like part of, it's in our DNA. I I don't know what caused me to start saying lit. I think that was just like part of what everyone would say all the time, like that's lit and everything, or is that that's lit as fuck? But I it sucks that a baby boomer came at me and said, you know, they really don't say that anymore. Oh, and I was like, shit, how are you more ahead than me? <laughs> and then he started showing me the things that Gen Z kids were like, and I was like. I don't think I'm trying to be like Gen Z, but I guess I do have to update my word usage. What are Gen Z saying? You know, instead of lit or rad, a lot of them call like cool things Gucci. Okay. And I can't work that into a sentence like I, I know or period or shit like that. I, I don't know. They have their own language. We had ours. They have a new one. I think I'm way too rustic to say things like Gucci. Yeah, it would not work where you live at all. Where exactly do you live? So I live um, like right between Kansas City and Lawrence, Kansas. Um, but in the country, it's outside of a town called Tonganoxie, but it's not really, it's not part of the town. It's just like that's that's what you have on your address. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What made you move there? Well, I... Um, I've actually been out here for a long time. I, I moved out here like like 12 years ago or something like that from Portland. And I was living in Portland and Portland's cool and all, but it's kind of like, 
it's it's a little silly sometimes and like it it, it it had just gotten its own tv show at the time and um rents were soaring and i just did like it I was there were too many people and neighbors and noise and stuff like that and the people that i was living with and i were um had always talked about going and get, getting some land and like living living cheaply so we could go on tour more and travel more and and not have to work jobs and so we just we just fucking did it <laughs> did you do like music and writing at the same time or did one become, like come before the other I, I started doing them at the same time just because for like a variety of reasons that one of them was like i don't think anybody's ever gonna publish a book of mine and i don't even know how that works this is like when i was a lot younger and so i was like i'm gonna i know how to i know how record labels work and i know how you know you can do shows and stuff so so i've been yeah i've been doing music or writing back to my music for for a for a long time and then i my plan was to quit journalism when i got my first offer to do a book with somebody so um when that happened i just i i had a i worked at the portland mercury i was their music editor and i quit and i've been doing this ever since book stuff and well books and music music writing stuff like that do you go for like a specific sound when you're doing music? Well, if I'm doing, if I'm doing my own, if I'm, if I'm recording it on my own, it's kind of, I like sort of like a noisy sort of like fucked up folk music. I grew up listening to like Saddle Creek bands and um, Neutral Milk Hotel and things like that. So I like, I like things that are a little more damaged sounding. And then like when I'm recording writing with bands, it's sort of like, it's more up to them retaining their own sound. And it always ends up sounding different than you know that it would be with if it was a, with their singer. But on my own, I'm it, I'm kind of. Su- I'd describe it as like lo-fi. Yeah. Then maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like. So um, I play. Right now, I have a banjo and a, some guitars and a keyboard, and. Um, I have a lot of instruments that I don't really know how to play, but I'll use them to record with. Like I have a Judy harp and um, I have a chime box and no, oh, those don't even sound real, do they? But um, it's a lot of we- like kind of weirder the chime ones. box is new to me. It's a box with a bunch of BBs in it and like these little um, like bells and the top of the box is sticky. So you turn it over and all the BBs stick to the sticky part and then you flip it back over and all the BBs drop onto the bells very slowly. So, and it's, it's, it's really cool. I don't know if that's the real name for it, but it's pretty badass. And it just sounds like this weird, like slow tinkling, um, like almost like a glockenspiel or something like that. That's really rad. See, I said rad. No, that makes me think of like those, uh, ASMR videos. Like there's those like weird soothing sounds that you just need to keep hearing and it's therapeutic. Oh yeah, a chime box is totally ASMR. Yeah, it's absolutely that kind of thing. Not, I don't, I don't. That's not something that I do, but like it, it completely works for that. But there's a lot of ASMR anyway in, in um, recordings of writing and recordings of people playing music while writing. You know, it's there's so much, there's so much more like vocal tones than than singing because you're you're kind of breaking it up and you know there's pauses and you can hear like the creakiness in somebody's voice or like their their voice 
cut out a little bit. It's so much less professional than, than singing where you're just making all the sounds really long. So I've, I mean, I've, I've definitely gotten those, those ASMR like hair tingling feelings while listening to people read their stuff on headphones. That is totally good vibes. I like it. Cause it can, you know, it's pretty intimate and you know, you're kind of like, you're hearing like a bit of a whisper in your headphones. I feel like that's something like where you would like sit on a carpet and just lie down and just kind of vibe to it. Yeah. 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 yeah that makes sense. Maybe that's my like weird music vibe. I am either going like really hardcore, like dancing and jumping around in my apartment. But other than that, I just kind of like look passed out and listening to you. <laughs> One of my favorite things, I don't really do it anymore because I don't really have the right kind of stereo for it right now, but I really used to like to set up a speaker and like play something really loud and lie on the floor with my head like right next to the speaker and, and kind of like blast my brain out a little bit. Yeah, I do that. My boyfriend yells at me because he's 50% deaf and he's like, we can't take another deaf person <laughs> in this household. <laughs> He's like, I rely on you to hear the softer things that people say. <laughs> you can't risk that. <laughs> See, it's not even for my benefit. It's for his. Yeah. I'm glad he was honest about it, though. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. He is honest over majority of his feelings. <laughs> but he'll do the little lies with me, like when it comes to my nieces. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Will he back you up yeah. in the bad tattoo lies? Like. Oh yeah, cool. definitely. but he'll, he'll never get a tattoo. It's not his vibe. And I think it would be hard cause he's actually a very hairy guy. And I don't know. I don't know if like what you have to like shave that part of your skin to get the tattoo. I think what he should do is get like a the tattoo of like a dog's face and then the hair will work for the dog's face. And people will be like, is that a real dog on your chest? No shit. That's just, you're just hairy and you have a tattoo. So maybe you have to like make it work. Exactly. You, know, you got to fit it into your personality and your physical self and everything. I think a lot of people don't get tattoos that fit their actual style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see somebody and you're like, oh, you're not a skull person. You're just not. You're not. You're yeah. more of like a kitten person. I have seen people with tattoos of cats. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Honestly, there's nothing worse, though. My one cousin has a SpongeBob tattoo, and I'm just like that. Wow. That's a tattoo you're gonna regret. Is that like an ironic thing, or is it? Is that legitimate earnest I'm love for SpongeBob? Sure. She is like getting tattoos like crazy, and I can't even imagine what else she's doing from here. But she also got an it tattoo of Pennywise. Wow. And I feel like we fucked her up at some point. <laughs> like, I, I've never thought I'd be the normal one who has a hammer and sickle. I was like, you guys is just getting weird shit now. Oh, that's for life. That 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 is definitely for life. I mean, I, I cannot imagine having like a horror movie tattoo or something. Because yeah. <laughs> like eventually you very well might actually have children or shit and then they're going to watch the horror movie and they're going to see your tattoo and they'd be like, what the hell's the matter yeah. with you? My mom is, my mom is a psycho. Maybe. <laughs> they definitely will be. Wow. That could be a name. for My mom episode. is a psycho. <laughs> my mom is a psycho. 
I, we've discussed several crazy moms. It works. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's it a lot works. of them out there, isn't there? Oh, I'd say majority of them are all crazy in their own. I'm way. actually like parked in a mall parking lot right now. So I think I'm like surrounded by them. I was going to ask exactly where you were. Yeah, I was like the internet at our farm, like it sucks. It's terrible. So sometimes you have to go to to town or the city to to get a clean call. So, you know, just sitting outside the JCPenney. Dude, I totally vibe that. I'm going to go to Target (laughs) after this and maybe uh, get like a get something. I don't know. A sled or something or a pair of shoes. I love Target. I vibe it. That's rad. Yeah, I always feel so weird that I love Target so much. Like, it, it's like an outing <laughs> for me. I totally feel that. That and oh, Ikea. Ikea. Well, Ikea has... Like, have you had the the veggie dogs at Ikea? Like, I love the veggie dogs at Ikea. That's my yeah. shit right there. They're so good. I will go there just for dinner. That legit is an experience that, like, we'll do. Like, where we'll be like, do you feel like going to Ikea today? Call some <laughs> friends. It's all go to Ikea. And we'll just hang out on the furniture, drinking their free coffee that I'm not sure if you're supposed to bring into the rest of the store. Oh, I'm sure they frown upon that. But we'll just hang. What's funny is sometimes we'll actually leave it like in one of the living room areas. We're just like, we're just going to look very into the moment. We'll actually walk <laughs> part of the scene when people pass That's the by. next level, like yeah, having actors in there. It is funny because the person I tend to go with is a famous YouTuber. And I just want to be like, see, we know how to act. We know how to get into the moment. And my boyfriend's good at just being oblivious to everything. So another good, useful situation. I like to go to Ikea and spend a lot of time with the candles. My favorite thing is to like... Yeah. The candles. Oh, they have some good ones depending on the seasons. I like looking at some of the weird appliances they have. I mean, I love their furniture. I really don't get psyched about it, but I'm being someone with a limited budget. I have like a lot of Ikea furniture. I realize like I am on an Ikea couch (laughs) right now. (laughs) Like I'm just looking around my apartment right now. Like that's from Ikea. That's from Ikea. That's from Target. Right, right. Yeah. We actually moved in the middle of the pandemic and that was hell because I don't know if you've been to an Ikea recently, but like they have been going through like shortages and warehouse issues for the whole like last year. So like we were getting our furniture like by piecemeal, like one day we would be like, holy shit, the couch is in stock and we'd have to like race over there. And then like two weeks later, they'd be like, here's the chair, but we don't have the footrest. And we're like, we'll take it. Yeah. It's just taking shit like one piece. I got evicted time. in the middle of the pandemic and um, similar situation, you know, like we, we would go there and they'd have all kinds of stuff, but none of it would be actually in stock. It'd be like, you'd find a dresser and it'd be like not available at this store or, or whatever. So that was frustrating. Well, getting evicted is fucking frustrating <laughs> beyond that. Yeah, it's definitely been a frustrating. That that's a sad, big yeah. sad. Yeah. Well, at least you have a cool yeah. It all place it now, all worked out in the I'm end. I'm assuming. Yeah. Speaking of the dressers, we have an IKEA dresser that 
we were trying to get for three straight months. And I was telling the story to my sister and my nieces, the ones that are crazy. And they're like, yeah, we've been looking for that dresser too. Like they have, they had one in stock, but they don't have it anymore. And like, seriously, they're like, I'm going to kill whoever took that last dresser. And I was just like, don't go into our bedroom. And the funny thing is, it's not that it's like set up or anything. To this day, it is still in the <laughs> box. Like we just got lazy at some point. When you live three months without a dresser, you just kind of get used to the yeah. system. We're like, I have a lot of clothes on top of a moving box that we never ended up opening up. And my boyfriend has all of his clothes on a beanbag chair that my cat typically hangs on. So I don't know if that works out for him or not, but I definitely have the better. What area. is your dresser called? Oh, dude, I'd have to almost go look for it. Cause I'm wondering if it's the it's same one that I, that I got. Dressers. Cause we, we did the same thing where we found this amazing dresser. They never had it in stock and then went back like four months later and it was in the scratch and dent section for like the, 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 the yeah, like the store model one was in the scratch and dent section. I'm like, fuck yeah getting this for a hundred bucks. Oh, I love that area. And it's a beautiful dresser. Uh, what is it? It's a Malm. M-A-L-M. Oh. Yeah, Maybe. we go basic. I think Malm is like one of their big, like they they have a lot of shit called Malm, right? Yeah. Yeah. We used to have a Malm and I don't know why we did this, but while we were moving, we just made the decision of we had that dresser and we're like, but we've had it for years. Let's get rid of it. And That's you get to re when it comes to moving. It's not a very, yeah, we, uh, we got the new mom. We literally just like replaced the exact <laughs> same model. We did that with our couch too. Like after our last move, we move around a lot. <laughs> so did you choose to move? But seriously, every time we move, we just throw this stuff away. Um, we chose to move here after the pandemic um, or during the pandemic. The place we moved from before was uh, where I was living when we did the uh, reading with you guys. I used to live in Roscoe Village. Now we live in the suburbs. And it's just because like we got so sick and tired of our surrounding. Because I don't know if you guys went through a total lockdown, but Chicago did. And you basically weren't allowed to go anywhere. Like all stores were closed and pick up only. And they even like were like, we don't even really want you to be picking shit up. So we just were like stuck in our apartment and it was getting depressing. And we're like, let's just move somewhere else and be less depressed. Did it work? That's actually, yeah, it's a very nice place until (laughs) this is how, you know, it's fucked up. I get bored with places like I'm a traveler and everything, but this is my most weird decision for moving. We have a new building manager for this place and I liked the old one so much better. She was so friendly and it's funny cause I'm an introvert. So I usually am like thrown off by those friendly people who want to talk to you a lot, <laughs> but like you miss it once it's gone. This new one, her name is Kiki I remember reading the name. I was like, I'm probably not going <laughs> to like this chick. And then I met her and it's weird cause she's a millennial too, but with like a Karen haircut and she is the biggest bitch 
in the world. I don't even have to hide that because I've said it several times on the podcast, but like I have a Black Lives Matter sign in our window. We're allowed to have it with our lease and everything. I've seen weirder signs in our windows, but she's she's kind of an all lives Ugh. matter chick, I believe. Cause she's mentioned it more than once. Like once, like when she first started, she's like, You're four ten, right? And I'm like, Yeah, that's my number. And she's like, the Black Lives Matter sign. And I was just like, where are we going with that shit? <laughs> like, I, I knew it was going to be an uncomfortable situation from there. But she's like, maybe you might want to take it down because it might offend some people. And that was actually one of my prouder moments because I'm actually a very, like, back down, be kind of afraid not do it in a passive-aggressive way, but just kind of let the conversation go. But I kind of, like, stared her down. And I was like, what people? Yeah. Who's being offended by sign? The worst people. And she's like, I don't know. Yeah, I just want to be like, <laughs> you? Are you the one who's offended by my sign? And, like, she totally let it go and started sucking up to me for a couple weeks. And then um, body cam footage was released in, in Chicago of a cop that killed a 13-year-old kid, um, insisting he had a gun, but he didn't. And... Our city went off. I mean, we, we definitely, we didn't riot, but we protested like crazy. And she went to me and she's like, in light of these events, maybe now is a good time to get rid of that sign. Wow. So I was just like, if you think I wasn't getting rid of it before when we weren't having massive problems, I'm definitely not getting rid of it now. But going to the moving thing... I am willing to move 100% based on who this woman is. Do you think she's listening? To, she's going to listen and to this? I don't know. Maybe I should just like name drop the podcast and then she'll sh start sucking up to me again. Okay. Fuck you, Kiki. If you're listening to this, you're a piece yeah. of shit. Like she's one of those weird people who is desperate for people to like her, but she's not a likable <laughs> person. Going at it all the wrong ways. Yeah. So I want to move directly across the street because <laughs> they have basically like our building but better and they have cool brick walls and cooler amenities and it's owned by the people who used to hold own this building and their building manager is the one that left us. I was like, I do miss that bitch. <laughs> we should go there. And more specifically, the windows are so much wider, and I decided that I should just blow up my Black Lives Matter sign because it will face her office. Yeah, I just want to piss her off at this point. I haven't been able to convince my boyfriend that that's a valid <laughs> reason to move. But I've convinced him on weirder moments, like, when we had a, an apartment that we were po perfectly chill with, you think it wouldn't be so easy to talk somebody out of it being like, I don't know, man, we had COVID in this apartment. It's tainted. Right, right. But we moved two weeks later. <laughs> Did, have you yeah, had COVID um, yet? I actually got it like right during the move because I'd been on total lockdown and then... Uh. Then like you have to, so like where we live you can't really rent places in the country because nobody rents places so you have to buy houses 
so we had to figure out how to buy a house, mm-hmm. um, which is like it was a lot harder than I imagined it would be, and also easier in different ways. But doing oh, all the things oh. like you know dealing with real estate agents and getting U-Haul trucks and something like that at some point got sick, and then while moving in, like the like that week of moving in, unpacked and everything just got sick as fuck. Damn, this this sounds like hell. Yeah, um, my partner and I live together, and she got it too. Um, so we were both like we could, we couldn't do anything. We we're just we we're just fucked. And I, have, I have no idea who gave it to who. There wasn't any like there was no reason for us to get it really because we were we we're even though we were going to U-Haul places and all that stuff, we were still wearing masks and really safe and everything. And somehow it snuck in, and she actually just got it again, um, a couple months ago. Like earlier than you're supposed to get it, so you know, like you're supposed to be immune for a few months or something. She got it like two months or three months later after getting it. That's not shocking because after COVID was done with me, I decided to go to my doctor and be like, "Can I get the antibody test?" I don't know why I felt like this was necessary. My boyfriend had them all; he was cool, but I didn't have any antibodies two months later. That's weird. So. I think some people just have that, like maybe your partner just didn't develop enough antibodies. But I'm terrified to get the vaccine. I've been reading that people who have had COVID actually have stronger reactions to it. And I'm not a happy, sick yeah, person. Right, right. Well, um, Elizabeth, my partner, she got her second one a few weeks ago and she got really sick for I mean, only about 24 hours. But it, you know, not fun. A lot of pain. I don't think it should uh, dissuade you from getting it, but still, it's, yeah. Not oh, hot. I definitely will when I'm able to. I can't do it right now because I'm still on post-surgery meds and they're steroids and you can't get uh, vaccines while you're on steroids. Uh, I got, I have like chronic pneumonia, so I was on the, I was on like the list of, well, I wasn't like on the official list, but I, when they did the thing where they were like, okay, people who have like, who have bad illnesses or, you know, um, compromised systems. Like this is when you get it. So I got, I got it like about a month ago before a lot of people. And just because like I've had pneumonia every year for like 20 years, not constantly the whole time, but like it comes, it comes and goes and it's, it's not fun. I've had pneumonia once and that, that, that is a pretty fucked up one to have. So that sucks. I feel very, very bad for you. I like how we just totally curtailed this <laughs> talk. The vaccine. I could have gotten it um, earlier on, but for some reason I wasn't allowed to because I have asthma. I don't know. I was determined that that was the reason where I should be able to be like, see, I have a breathing disorder. This is a respiratory disease. Save right, me, yeah. please. But they're like, no, that's not on the qualifications. And it totally like blew my mind. But anyone else with pre-existing conditions were that's able bullshit. to. Now everyone is allowed. If they're listening to this right now, fuck you guys. <laughs> you and Kiki. Exactly. Fuck all y'all. Do you guys, maybe we should just make the episode <laughs> fuck Kiki. At least three other podcasts we I've discussed my hatred for her. Maybe it's time to like <laughs> searchable on the internet. God, 
I'm I'm a bad person. Yeah, it seems like asthma should be a pre like a, a super legit pre existing condition. Like my pneumonia one is like it, that's kind of almost sort of the same thing. Like I had it re- like last time I had it was um, in 2018. I went over to the UK to, to go on tour, and I made it through three shows, and mm-hmm. then I was sick in a friend's bed for a month, and like did, was just in the uh. UK laying in some in a, in a friend's bed and came back to the States, was sick for another month. It's yeah. This is fun conversation, isn't what it? What were you touring? For? Um, the, my, my talking songs. So I was, I was going, I was going That's and cool. playing solo stuff and then backed by a band called youth movies. But do you do that yeah. still? Or well, I mean, not back? during the last, the last one I did was, well, well, no one can tour right yeah, now. The last yeah. one I did was um, the tour that I was at with Nate, and like we didn't, we didn't, I didn't do any of that okay. stuff at the Chicago date just because there were so many people and we only got you know ten minutes or something. So, but usually I would split up the set. I would do like half of it back to my music and half of just like just a book reading. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rad. I, I would love to see you do it the other way. Next time you come to yeah. Chicago, you guys should do it. Because I know Nate plays music, yeah. too. So that would be really cool. I've been trying to get him to record some some of his readings back to my music, because I think that would be pretty cool. He's got such a great reading voice, and I, I love hearing him read. And his delivery, he's, it's really, like, human and, and like, intimate and, and fun and folksy and makes you feel good. Yeah, you both are actually really great at it. I actually, I filmed the reading and you both have really great uh timing and everything i'm a bad reader i suck that's why i didn't even really want to like tell everybody like and i'm Mallory smart and i'm the host of these guys <laughs> like i i seriously just i'd be like you, you just say your name <laughs> and introduce yourself Because, like, almost every time, I'm a very shy person. Every time I've done readings, I've had to either get really drunk or take Xanax. Or get really drunk <laughs> and take Xanax. Depends on the time. Yeah, I cannot, I can't do them so I had, like, one publisher I told that to. And they're like, I don't want my author to die. Be right, careful. Right. And I was like, I'm not going crazy. I'm not doing coke or something. It's sometimes just a little bit of weed, pharmaceuticals. Reading, yeah, reading sober is rough. I, I I can't even record sober. I mean, I don't like get like wasted, but I definitely have to. I have to have like a drink or two, just to loosen my brain up a little bit. Exactly. Same here. I have videos of me recording sober and videos of me recording the other way, and the other way is so much better. Like I just look at it, it's like. Wow, I'm so entertaining. <laughs> I'm so loose up there. Why can't I be there like that all the time? And my boyfriend was like, you didn't bring your pills the other times. Yeah. So I guess some of us have bigger stage fright. I didn't always have it. Like, I think it just manifested in high school, and I just haven't been able to shake it off since. I think I don't have stage fright. I just, like, I feel, I just feel kind of like I don't really feel what I'm doing. It feels like kind of just like robotic and, and just like, it feels like a reading. It doesn't feel like a performance. It doesn't feel real. What I'm reading just, just kind of feels flat to me unless I've had like a, a shot of whiskey or something like that, or 
some mezcal. On the Nate tour, we were drinking tequila sunrises, which was pretty nice. Oh, tequila's even harder. I'm a beer and wine girl. Or I could do like cocktails with vodka, but not dark liquor. That's another thing that's in your blood when you're when you live in Southern California is like everybody drinks tequila, so it's like a generational thing. It's imprinted on you. Yeah, I've noticed basically all over California, like from San Francisco to LA, that's basically I see them really hardcore into their tequila. I could do it in drinks, but I can't do like a straight up like tequila shot. That'll just like fuck me up. But you know, I am a smaller person though. I'd like to contend like hard alcohol knocks me down a little bit easier than others. Right, right. Yeah, I've, that's it's been weird. Like in the because I usually I don't really drink on my own. I like if I do, it's like a social thing. And since the last year and some odd weeks has been not social at all, I just haven't been drinking that much or, or really at all because there's like there's no i don't have m- many situations for it yeah it, it's weird to like get drunk on your own or just to get like really mellow and be like i'm gonna have a scotch or whiskey or whatever the difference between the two are for me though coffee coffee is a good drug you drink it on your own i'm calling it a drug because it's oh, absolutely like a drug are you big into coffee or no yeah, so um, I've been drinking this coffee that um, you use. You get coconut oil, and you 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 stir it in into the milk before you like add the coffee and whatever else. And there's something about how it like the the caffeine bonds to the something or other in the coconut milk, and it goes or in the coconut oil, and it goes like straight to your brain. There's like a, there's a, there's something called bulletproof coffee that's kind of like that where it's like but it's butter, but that just sounds gross to me. So. It totally works. It's like you just it blasts right to your brain, and you feel like you feel godlike for at least forty five minutes or an hour. See, I should try that. I've done bulletproof coffee once, and all I kept thinking while making it and then also drinking it was, my arteries are going to hate me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a gross idea. I love butter, but the, like drinking butter. Really, just ugh, butter drinking is butter. Just yeah. Too- it just like it, it blends in a weird way too, and I'm not quite sure how other people make it work. I I've done it myself. They don't serve it at any of the coffee shops I go to, so maybe I just need someone really good to make it for me. <laughs> right, right. Find that bulletproof expert. There's got to be someone. My YouTube friend actually is the one who brought it up to me, but he's been in hiding ever since the pandemic. Like we we haven't seen him since COVID was announced. <laughs> Can you do like a Zoom tutorial with him where he teaches you the, the art of butter? I want to message him about that later because you know what? I bet all his fans would like it too. If he's listening to this, what's his name? Eric. Eric, if you're listening to this, your fans are going to love this. His fans don't usually call him that. They call him Crendor. Crendor, your fans love butter and coffee. So tutorial, masterclass. <laughs> I feel like... A lot of his fans know his name, but they just kind of stick with Crendor. And even we call him that occasionally because it's like you just get used to it. It definitely sounds more like fantasy role playing than anything. He's like he's really, a wizard or a elf. He started off um, with World of Warcraft. 
And I think there is a character named Crendor. I don't know. I've never played that game. <laughs> Crendor the Magnificent. He would do the gameplay things where, like, he would do it not on Twitch at the time, but, like, on YouTube where you, like, watch people play video games. I never understood that medium. It's a thing. But, you know. It's a thing. I it don't legit get it. is a thing. Like, my boyfriend told me that his best friend does that. I was like, that is so fucking weird. What else does he do? He's like, just that. He makes a living off of that. And even then, it was still, like, astounding, because this was years ago. And I was like, how much can you really make? He makes six figures off of that shit. We're in the wrong business. If only I knew video games. Yeah. You know, I I don't think being a writer is ever going to truly make you famous or make you money yeah not that it's just kind of like money. a really like passion so have you been working on any writing lately or have you been working on any songs yeah both um i've got i've got i just sent one um book to the person who does my layouts it, but it's a it's a reprint of something but then i've got another novel that's gonna be finished at the end of the year but i wrote like a fucking lot and during the 2020 so i've got like this collection of three novels that I'll probably release, I don't know, in a couple of years or something like that. I just need to make sure, I need to give them some time away from me because I wrote them so fast that I want to make sure that they're not stupid as hell. How fast do you usually write them? Um, I, pretty fast because I, I don't have any other job or anything and I don't really have any hobbies. And especially during the pandemic, I don't really have any friends because they're all in different places now. Um, mm-hmm. so I just fucking write all the time. <laughs> I dig it. What do you write on? Like computer, hand, phone, typewriter? So if I'm writing, um, if I'm writing fiction, I'll write it and I'll write the first draft in a notebook. And that usually happens, goes really fast. And then I put it into a computer and then I spend a lot of time revising it. So I, I'm definitely like, I pick things apart for a really long time and I write fast and then I revise just forever and, and cut it apart and until it feels right. And then for, for, um, for things that are going to be audio recordings, usually I just do that on paper because they're generally a lot shorter, mm-hmm. you know, a three minute audio recording is only going to be a couple paragraphs. Definitely. So. Definitely. And I'll use my phone. Do you listen too. to anything while you write or like, is that what's like speeding you up or are you just like a classic, like, stream of conscious writer who's just like pouring it out i definitely listen to things this is kind of a new thing for me i just started maybe this year or last listening to instrumental music so i this i've been writing while listening to the latest mogwai record a lot and um i've got a lot of like classical records like i like handles water music a lot i write to that and uh, vivaldi's four seasons and then i've got um, i've got a bunch of album leaf vinyl or um, album leaf a band called the album leaf um their vinyl and i listen to that but only instrumental mm-hmm. music so i can't i can't hear another person's voice or that it just fucks you up some people can do it i don't understand how they do that most people that have been on the show so far have said like they could jam to regular mu- music beforehand but while writing that can't be like lyrics because it's almost like their words are like going on top of your words and it's hard to decipher yeah it just seems that sounds like a frustrating mess yeah i don't get it i know a lot of people do instrumental like what instrumental 
like genre would you say it is? Like when I'm when if I am listening to instrumental music, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I, I usually like post rock bands, uh, like um, Godspeed You Black Emperor, or Mogwai, or something like that, um, or classical music, which has kind of been a new thing for me too. I have this one. Um, I'll say that's a 180, but I dig it. Yeah, it kind of makes sense though when you when you spend a lot of time with both genres because they're both like kind mm-hmm. of compositional and largely instrumental. So I listen to a lot of like I listen to a lot of Bach and I like um like Renaissance recordings of lute music. <laughs> that sounds pretty pretty not cool, but it gets it gets your mind to a good place. Yeah, I I definitely do the same thing. I'll do some classical music too, or I do this thing where like if you have like a song that has like a really long instrumental build up before they start singing, I'll just do it up until that point and then like repeat. Oh, that works. Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of those if you want to take the extra step to like look back up on your computer and just start it over again. But you should just figure out how to loop it. <laughs> If only I knew. Actually, I definitely could. I I've made music before. Um, I've actually written music for my book that's about to come out um, through Trident. I just cool. haven't showed Nate yet because I'm like I'm a very easily embarrassed person. I just don't want to be like, here's my piece of shit music. <laughs> so is it meant to listen to while you read while the person reads it? Yeah, I, I definitely tried to time it that way. Um, I use instruments like the acoustic guitar and a mandolin, and I don't go much further than that. I do use keyboards occasionally, but I'm not good at playing them. My friend is, so we, we recorded that way. So you wrote the music and your friend recorded it? Yeah. We, we did a pretty decent job. I mean, I would say the beginning of it is very similar to, uh, Paul Simon's early work. I have so many weird tastes, but we definitely go a little harder and faster. Like, um, I'm trying to think like of a great example of a band that we're definitely like mimicking. Let me look it up. I hate that. I don't even know the music I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah. Edward Sharp and the magnetic zeros. We're going for that sound at a certain point. And we're just kind of like trying to keep it almost like rustic a little bit. Kind of like the music that you would hear, like, watching an on-the-road movie. Okay. Yeah. So I, I would like it if, like, I can, like, send that playlist to Nate and be like, here, it's something that can probably go with the book. Like, maybe do a download link or something. But... Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's totally... Like that could totally happen. Music. That's a great yeah. idea. And I was also thinking of using it as a... Uh, certain sections for a trailer for the book. I like making movies. So I'm good at making teasers and movies and everything. I started off as a filmmaker and then I led into this. So hopefully I could use some of those skills with it. Nate's definitely a much better editor than ones I've dealt with in the past. He's very open-minded and I I like that. Yeah. Nate's up for anything. He's got, He's got like a generous personality, a generous mind. Oh, fuck yeah. And he responds really quickly. (laughs) 
Like some people like take weeks are like, oh, okay, I just got this email. He'll be like within the day. And I'm just like, oh, shit. I didn't know if I was harassing you or cool. Thank you for responding so amazingly. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm one of those people too. And um, I love people that can, that like are on their shit all the time. That's like when we went, when we were putting out Nate's tape, working with him, it was like the night that we, that we did all the final layouts and stuff. He was just like right there getting it done. And yeah, he's on it. It's, it's nice to be around. There are like some writers that I've met slash editors who have this very like hardworking personality where it's like, you definitely put the time in and he's one of them. Yeah. And I, I dig that so much. See, Nate will listen to this episode and realize, ah, oh, Melanie really likes me. Hi, Nate. So, yeah. We love you, Nate. We'll make sure he definitely listens to this. There's a lot of shout-outs in this one, isn't there? I know. I'm, uh, most of them are actually pretty negative, but this was a positive <laughs> one. <laughs> I think it's the only positive one. Shouts out to Nate. Shout Hell out yeah. to Nate. Trident Press, man. Yeah. Do you prefer it when people use Bandcamp for Hello America stereo cassettes, or do you prefer when they actually just buy the cassettes? Um, Bandcamp's easier. I mean, I've got a, I've got a web store that's adamgennady.com, and all that stuff is up there. But um, I think most people are used to Bandcamp when they're buying music, so mm-hmm. I push people towards that. Have you ever thought of like doing something on Spotify or do you still just want people to have like the physical experience? Well, my plan, and I don't know if I'm actually going to do this or not, is to when every record hits a year, put it all um, on streaming services because I, w- I don't want to limit See, it, you know, because really cool. some people just don't even know what Bandcamp is. And it's, it's like not as easy to use, like if you're just driving around and listening to music. But in, in one, once every record hits a year, I plan to put it up there. And go through one of those services like DistroKid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a lot of people our age tend to know Bandcamp, but it's because a lot of us know people who are also musicians and we're used to like them totally yeah. sending us that shit. I like how I'm just looping you in with my age. I'm just <laughs> guessing. How old are yeah. you? Um, I'm not, I don't think I am your age. I bet I'm like significantly older than you. I'm 45. Shit. Yeah, you are. How old do you think I am? Um, 31 or 29. 29. Ooh, right in the middle, 30. I like how you're the only person who actually guessed older. Sometimes a lot of people go really younger, and I think it's based off of my height. (laughs) Yeah, people usually guess younger with me, and I'm pretty short, too. Yeah, it's only about the shortness. I think shortness keeps you young forever. Um, I think I'm five, seven or five, six. I haven't been measured in a long time. So I don't know. Now we just need to get like a tape measure and be like, let's see how tall Adam is. <laughs> like the markings on your wall. Yeah. Yeah. The sad thing is it would only change as I get really old. It's not as like I nice. I like it when people like get shorter. You like that? That's a horrible thing to like. It is horrible, but, like, with me and my family, like, I am the anomaly. All of them are over six feet tall. And it's, like, I don't know how I came to be, but, like, I like seeing that my one sister is slowly getting shorter than me, and my mom is slowly getting shorter, and I'm just, like, 
see how you, see how it is now. Mouth. Yeah, I I, I totally try get that. and reach that makes the sense. top cabinet now. Yeah. <laughs> no, because like I would be yelled at as a kid because like you know they put shit so high at like the top of cabinets, so I'd have to jump on top of a counter to get stuff, and I'd be standing on the counter. And as you can imagine, parents hate the fuck out of that. <laughs> oh yeah. How uh, how tall are you? Five feet. Five feet. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty short. I think that cabinet makers need to keep in mind that there are short people who are their customers too and make like short people cabinets. I think cabinet makers are all really tall and that's the problem. Or like I should move to New Zealand and see if you could actually live in the Shire oh, that'd section be so that cool. they still have. Because I'm just like, I'm sure that's all me sized. Like, if you do, let me works. know because I'd like to like I'd like to rent a place out in Bag End. That'd be pretty great. Oh man, I've always wanted to live there. <laughs> I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. So yeah, me too. I'm very into like adventure fantasy and sci-fi fantasy, and not the really cool, awesome literary stuff we read in our community. But I could read Lord of the Rings over and over like a million times. I think it's one of those books that you need to like check back in with every few years. I was seeing that Amazon is going to be making its own version of Lord of the Rings. And it's one of those annoying things where it's like, don't fix it if it isn't broke, you know? So I think what they're doing is they're going to do, um, like, the, I don't know if you've read the Cinemarillion. They're going to be mm-hmm. doing like stuff from that. So like the, the age of Numenor and like, uh, like the early, like first age stuff. I don't think they're actually going to be redoing it. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of cool stories in that. And that's like where it gets like that type of stuff, like Tolkien's founding myth stuff is really nerdy, but and not very satisfying unless you're super in deep. I am super in deep and I've read a lot of stuff from that book, but I haven't read the actual like, entire book. I just keep going back to The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I think as an adult, I should definitely go into that finally. <laughs> You should, you should. And don't feel bad if you don't remember all the names. Cause he just throws a, like a laundry list of names at you. You just have to like focus on like the veins of society, like the elves and the men and the dwarves and like the, the people that came before them. And once you do that and just pick out, you'll, you'll see who you really should be paying attention to. Cause there's just like, it gets fucking biblical with all the, the crazy names. I think it's like Tolkien is a master world crafter when it comes to writing and his like linguistic levels like are off the sh- chart. So that probably would confuse most people because they don't get that like in depth when it comes to stories where I think he gets carried away occasionally or got carried away occasionally. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really satisfying so if you're one of those though. people, if you're one of the people that can take it, then it's like, it's a wonderful place to go. Yeah. I- I'm definitely one of those people who's like, I can, get hardcore but i need like a a week to me like just like doing nothing else just so i can get deep into it yeah yeah i think with books like that you have to sort of like learn the language of the storytelling it's like reading proust or faulkner or something like that where you have to like you really have to get patient with it and then until you hear the voice and you know what they're saying and then then you're in that's how it is with the cimmerillion I was going to ask, like, is it a similar tone to the other books or does it just go totally off in? 
a different. It's it's more tangent. like it's more like uh, it's less. There's lo- there's less action. Like you know, there's not a lot of like. And then he walked up to a thing and did this thing. It's more like it's more like someone telling you a story at a fireside. They're not. It, there's not scene. The there's not scenes as much as like a, this guy like telling you a bunch of cool shit. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It's kind of like a historical text. Absolutely historical sex. It's it's, it's like a, um, it's an it's all origin stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you if I you know Lord of the Rings enough, you, you'll be totally in. Yeah, I, I definitely know it enough. If anyone watches that movie with me, I feel bad for you because I'm going <laughs> to talk the entire time. That or Harry Potter. I apologize to anyone in the future who actually thinks it's a good idea to watch that shit. <laughs> I'm totally hooked on both of them. And like, it's weird. Cause like, I don't like, I don't write that type of stuff at all. And I have no desire to write it. But like, if I want to be entertained, like I will go to the world of Harry Potter or the world of Tolkien and like, feel very happy in at home. I've written fantasy stuff, but I don't have that voice where it works at well. So I've never shared it <laughs> with anybody. Have you ever tried? No, I've kind of been doing what I've been doing since I started doing what I've been doing. I dig it. I dig it. Because I don't, my stories and my books are all connected anyway. So it's sort of, I mean, it's not, it's not totally alien to the concept of what something, something like that is. Like they're all the same characters and they're all continuing plot lines and, and calling back to certain scenes and things like that. And all of it, I don't write anything that's not connected to that. Yeah. I would like to, something like that to come out of the book that I just wrote with Trident Press because a lot of it is very heavily just character based and I would love to do kind of like side stories for other characters. You should and it's like, like kind of create like this huge world. It's it's a like I really enjoy like I enjoy writing because of that because it's a chance to like to build that, to build a world constantly. And it feels like there's a higher, not a higher purpose. That sounds religious, but um, it's, there's like a, there's a bigger game that's going on versus just telling the story while I'm doing it. No shame on people that, that have, you know, standalone novels, but like, I really enjoy, I enjoy like building the story and knowing where it's going to go next and uh, adding characters and killing characters and bringing characters back. And it's, it's kind of a game. And, no shade on the people who do standalone books and novels, but I don't know. Like you kind of get obsessed with it and you just want to keep digging deeper. And I'm surprised that so many people are able to let go and do something else entirely. I read books sometimes and I'll be like, man, I wish you would have just taken this book and just kept writing more of it. You know, go Proust on us. I would dig the fuck out of that. If you find a book like that, tell me. I will. Yeah. What have you been reading lately? Um, let's see. What have I been reading lately? Um, oh my god, my mind just totally blanked. Yeah, that's what happens Fuck. when you get put on the spot. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I read a lot of books all at once, so it's kind of hard to like recall. I've actually I've been reading uh, this Arthur C. Clarke novel that's just horrible at night to fall asleep, and. Um, I've been reading the latest Paris Review and uh, a biography on um, Charles Dickens. And also, I just finished A Tale of Two Cities and I'm reading um, Bleak House. Dickens is Bleak House. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got a bunch of tr- books from Trident 
that Nate sent me. So I'm going to be reading that. I like how occasionally he'll do like Tanner stuff on you. It was really exciting. They're also they're all so small, so you get like a thousand books in a, in a package, and I, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm reading his uh, Pocket Emma Goldman book. I like that. Cool. I just I'm finished. huge again into that style. So yeah. What style? Uh, I like biographies a lot. Okay. I'm a nonfiction person for the most part. I'm currently trying to complete a tale of two cities. I just kind of keep hitting a roadblock occasionally. Yeah. I How think long did it take you to read it? The first part was uh, I, I had to actually like stop and then I came back to it later because it, it's a, it starts really slow. And then, then I ended up reading the whole thing in like a week because you get really caught up in what's going to happen to the characters. And it's great. Is way different than other Dickens that I've read. It's like the writing's a lot more plain spoken and not as um, not as Victorian, I guess. No, he wasn't Victorian. I think I need to get over that slump of the slow pace, and then maybe it'll get better for me. I've been like tiptoeing through it just because I know that, like, based on the synopsis and what everyone tells me about it, I'm like, oh my god, I would love that book. But sometimes you just gotta like do it little by little. It gets really good. It gets really good. It's it's like one of those books like um, Victor Hugo's Les Miserables where you have to like get through the opening scene with the with the the bishop, and then you get into mm-hmm. the story and it's it, it moves really fast and it's and it's it's good. See, that's actually one of my favorite books. I have like three different copies of it on my shelf right now. Um, one is the first edition, and one is like this really crappy tattered version I got from a used bookstore, and it's like from this. 50s um but yeah that that never really felt too slow for me but maybe it's just because i was really obsessed with that era for me i mean it's also one of my favorite books but i think i think i was i was thinking i wasn't ready for the 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 beginning as much i guess and i was like why are we why are we getting to know so much about this um what is his name the 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 um priest or the bishop that that lets Jean Valjean go free with the candlesticks. I can't remember his name, but you learn so much mm-hmm. about him, and and it and then then you he kind of gets dropped. But yeah, it's it's a great book, and it's just I have a kind of a newer translation from maybe ten years ago, and yeah, I, I turn back to it all the time. At the beginning, it's like it's a, he goes and he he stays with this bishop, or an, I don't remember if he's a bishop or a priest or whatever he is, and a cardinal. I don't know. I can't remember the religious designation of him. But then he um, he 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 steals stuff from him and on his way out, and then but then he gets caught, and then the bishop's like, "Well, um, he bishop was Myrell, okay, I think so. Yeah, like he was he was he was." He wasn't stealing this from me. I'd given this to him. He, he tells the police, and then and he forgot to take all this other stuff, and then he gives them all this other stuff, and that's how Jean Valjean gets started and becomes like what he is with when you know when he's running his factory and becomes a respectable man. I really liked in that book that Victor Hugo goes off on tangents, like about like the plumbing of Paris. Oh, and that's so good! Like, oh, so I love good. writers who could just totally like explore into an area where you're like wait what the fuck am i reading but it's also amazing yeah totally yeah i I love i love when he does that and it's and he'll do that for like 100 pages but you're in because it's so good 
like in War and Peace, when Tolstoy starts talking about like the philosophy of war, that like I, it's it hits such a roadblock for me. Or when Karl of Knausgaard talks about Nazis. Yeah, like seriously, I love a writer who can go off on a different passion and obsession they had in a novel, and it still works. Yeah, like that is true skill. And you're just you're just right there with them, like you're just swept along in the current with them. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah, the current of shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it was necessary for the book, obviously. He didn't yeah. have to go oh, yeah, totally. that into detail, but I loved it. Yeah, no spoilers, everybody. That's gonna. I've tried to get so many people to read Les Miserables. It got a lot of no's. I always felt it was one of those books that like everybody read, like because most people have to read like an abridged version for high school. But I, I don't even know if that was just like my high school thing or not. That's kind of a shame to read an abridged version of it, though. Yeah, that's what made me want to get, like, the full length, because I was just like, this feels so incomplete. Like, it's a decent read, but I feel like there's a lot more. And obviously, there is a fuck ton more. And I felt so much more pleased, except until I, like, got into class and, like, the teacher is almost, like, just solely asking questions about the abridged version. I was like, shit. (laughs) I can't say that I read a different version and I no longer know what she's talking about. <laughs> but, huh. What else to ask you, Adam? Yeah, give us a quick, like, four, four way, four yay into your life. Um, side story. So, a side story? Well, um, yeah. Holy shit. Um, I don't know. I I don't really. I don't have. I don't have any experience with sewers in Paris. Um, I come from California, and my parents were in the commercial fishing industry, so I grew up on living on boats a lot, and we on both sides of the border, and we spent a lot of time at sea, and or down at docks, sleeping in my parents' car while they did like business down at docks. So like a, a large part of my life before coming out to be totally landlocked was, was like revolved around the sea. I spent a lot of time just swimming as a kid and out in the ocean and just hanging out with my friends on the beach. And it's just like a very different life than the one I'm living now. But you know, you can't really own land in San Diego unless you're rich as fuck. I, I feel that. <laughs> see, sea story. That's cool. Good side story. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could write, like, a pretty good intro if you were to do, like, a memoir years from now on that. Right, right. Who knows? And then maybe go into, like, the deep details of that industry that we all don't know. And it would be like, damn, he knows how to work it into <laughs> I was also a child back then, so I'd have to do a lot of research. Yeah. Did you ever take notes while you were, like, a kid? Or was I just like the only weird journalistic, like writing my experiences? Yeah, I, re- I made little books when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I definitely did that. I borrowed from that a lot when I would be writing now, where I was like, what the fuck did Mallory think when she was 10? Let's throw that into some shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I really wish I would have taken, kept a diary my entire life. Cause it'd make, cause most of my stories are you know based around my life, so uh, it'd make things a lot easier. Just Would never you describe been able to your do work it. as more like inspired by your life or like Ramona Clay 
like on the road. Yeah, it's autofiction for sure. Okay. Oh my God. Who was it who said that they're pissed off at a swan little husk autofiction writers? <laughs> Someone said that on Twitter. Where did that? Yeah, I remember that. I remember the everybody talking about it. Yeah, I remember everybody trolling it, but I never found like what the origin was. Like, I know it was like an older writer, and it's like, why, why do you care about the way we write? <laughs> like, you're irre- irrelevant now. Yeah, maybe they don't have an interesting life. Likely. Poking like the younger people on Twitter, though, that, that didn't seem wise. I feel like younger writers generally have more interesting lives. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure some, there's, that's kind of a generalization. No, I feel like it is actually, it is a generalization. A lot of us have lived boring as fuck lives. The more I want to stay in my safety loop thing. But most writers I've met live very similar lifestyles. Like I drive around cross country like crazy and do like readings and tours and all that. And almost like nomad land, but for millennials, (laughs) which is, I think, would be a better story right yeah but i i don't think this writer she she had to either be a baby boomer or like late late baby boomer i feel like i i might have read some of this person's writing i just don't know the name but like they they weren't forced to live that kind of lifestyle and they didn't have the internet so that just sounds boring yeah like they they listen to what society a lot told them like what to do. And I feel like we don't as much. Yeah, I would I I kind of like doing my own thing. <laughs> it feels a lot better at the end of the day. I dig it. Yeah, it's like you don't want to feel like you're just kind of like imitating someone else's life. It's like that just sounds like almost like a betrayal to your own identity a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't so think I if I looked at my like life, live it to the highest. Yeah, I think if if I saw myself as a as a, like a teenager and looked at what I'm doing now, I'd be it wouldn't it would be a surprise. So oh, it's you know it's good to, it's good to take some different paths. I know when I was a teenager, I was studying to be a historian, like even all the way through college as well, and then I made a hard pivot this direction <laughs> what was your intention like what what were you trying to go towards i've always wanted to be doing this see that's that is so rad i wish i had that feeling like i knew i wanted to do something artistic but i don't know i definitely had parents yammering in my ear a lot of no you gotta get a real job happy i never did yeah 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 i i think i I've been writing professionally, I think, since I was maybe 18. I started doing journalism pretty young, and it was really easy to get journalism jobs as a teenager because people were like, oh, my God, it's a kid. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, tell us, what, tell us what's going on with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, it reminds me of Almost Famous a little bit, where it's like, wait, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what have you been listening to? Like, what's your number one song that you've been jamming to this year? Okay, so um, let's see. 
the band I really like the most right now is a, an English band called Porridge Radio. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd never heard of them. And then I was on Instagram and I saw uh, their label, Strictly Canadian, like did a post about them. And I was like, oh, let's see what this band's all about. And I listened to them. And it's kind of like, it's. I've, I've been told it's like PJ Harvey, but I've never listened to PJ Harvey. So I'm not really sure what that is. Um, kind of like Andy Rocky, but like really great lyrics and, and sort of intense. And I, so I listened to them and I just was like, this is my new favorite band. And so I went on back on Instagram and I found the band and I like wrote him a note and I was like, I, your record's really great. That's, that's nice. And then the singer wrote back and she was like, that's cool. Cause I've been like listening to your songs since I was a teenager. So then we like, we did a, a we were, we did a trade. We sent each other, each other's records. So now like I've got a vinyl of the record and it, the record's called every bad, I think and it's so fucking good. And the, the song that my favorite song right now is the song is a song in the middle. And I can't remember the name of the song. But it's basically like the, it's a fucking like amazing song. It's like a it's kind of poppy. It's a, sort of like almost like a '90s like Dinosaur Junior type of thing, which is some not really something that I'm into. But it's just like the mm-hmm. the lyrics are so good. And I I I kind of go for bands with with good lyrics if I can. Yeah, Porridge Radio. That's a writer thing. Oh, absolutely right. Yeah, like most writers wanted to be rock stars. You had the good fortune of being both like yeah being, i always like felt like it was kind of boring to be too. a writer like i've gone on a lot of book tours and they're so fucking boring and then as soon as you have it like when you because i've toured a lot with bands and as soon as it, like you that model has changed a little bit tour gets really fun yeah i love it when you actually tour with like punk rock bands and you're just kind of like the writer on the side i think they're so much cooler but it's like you almost want to like upstage them a little bit. I used to have a band when I was in college, but I haven't really pursued shit like that since. It was really bad. We were trying to be Riot Girl style. And uh, well, yeah, some of that stuff is really good. In college. Yeah, I love Riot Girls so much. Like I, as I said, I got the bikini kill tattoo. <laughs> And I will go apeshit if I like hear that live or even at a cool place in a bar or something. But we would play like in art galleries and flower shops and shit. Anyone who would <laughs> let us play after hours. But, well, yeah, your your book's got a soundtrack now. So yeah. you might be going into new realms. Dude, I would go into music so much if I was able to. I think like if I do slow down on my writing a little bit that like, see my fear though is that like it's become my hobby to play music and I'm worried that if like I somehow throw that into the writing that for some reason it would become monetized and a little bastardized a little bit. But oh yeah, it's absolutely. That goes yeah, hand yeah. in hand. I don't play it for yeah. fun at all. Like it's all, I only, I only play music if, I, if I've got something to record and that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to like enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not like I, I don't ever like sit around on the couch and play guitar. That's like That's actually, so foreign to me. It's exactly what I was doing until I got the offer to publish this book. And I was just like, okay, we're going to go a little away from free strumming that I use the mandolin mainly short arms. I feel like it's easier to play <laughs> that. And uh, I haven't found an acoustic guitar that really is great for my build, but I'm sure there is one out there. Maybe like child size. Yeah. Like 
it's so embarrassing to go to a music store and say that though and be like hey can you find one that fits these arms and fingers please <laughs> taking like, you to the fisher Prowse section this far <laughs> like it, it, it's cool i mean i used to play electric guitar a little bit but it, it was really bad i wasn't great at it not as a I was going to say amazing, but I, I have a firmer grasp on like acoustic guitar and mandolin and everything now, but that came from my, my touring more. And I, I would go camping and hiking with friends and that is how weird we are. We would just stop occasionally and just bring out guitars and play for no reason. <laughs> yeah, we lived that hipster life. <laughs> we also were those notorious hipsters of a dumpster dive which has led me now to have uh, five different versions of rumors. <laughs> and it, it was great. Cause like I gave it to my niece, one of them the other day and she's like, Oh my God, do you know how much this costs now? And I was like, obviously not enough where they're actually throwing them away. And then she showed me how much they're going for now. And I was like, bitch, give it back. <laughs> I feel like rumors is when you see at thrift stores all the time, or maybe that's not anymore. I've got, I've had so many Not copies anymore. of it. Sell some on eBay. You'll probably get around $35. Ooh. I'm holding out until it's like 42. You know, Gen Z has a very short attention span though. It's like, you don't want to wait too long. <laughs> but no, I let her have the one and now her friends are dying to know where to get them other than the stores that sell it for 35 bucks. I'm like, it is an excellent album, but how did you guys find it? <laughs> but I, I love it when you like see the younger generation vibing to like music that does not fit in with them at all. And you're like, whoa, you're bigger into it than I am. Yeah. Love like, it. like super young people listening to Kate Bush. That's, that's a thing. Yeah. God, I mean, which seems weird. Like a weird, it's a weird taste. Him. It is a weird taste. I took my niece to Riot Fest and she knew every single band we went to see. And I was like, Jesus, this is like me going through high school music. How do you know this? Like Peaches and Newfound Glory and shit like that. She was like, I know it all. Huh. So, I remember listening I to like my parents' music too. And then being like, why are you listening to this? This is like our music and... <laughs> If that's pro it's just something that probably happens. I know I like, obviously, as I said, I'm pretty big into like Paul Simon or Simon and Garfunkel. So my parents would be really like, why are you into us? But my brother takes it one step further and he's really into like, I don't know, like Sam Cooke and shit like that. That's great. It's like, how'd you get into that? Like Otis Redding and... Like I like we had Easter and we were like barbecuing and everything. I could hear through the window that he was vibing to that. I was like, "You are way more mellow than I am." Yeah, I listened to the shit out of rad. Graceland growing up. Yeah, Graceland, and then like what is like, Paul Simon, like early Simon and Garfunkel stuff. Same here, definitely. That's why I got actually the title for my book. Um, his, theirs was the uh, the only living boy in New York, and mine is the living only living girl in Chicago. And it's because I listened to that song on repeat, like for three straight days. It's a perfect song. 
Yeah, it definitely is like perfect for our generation right now too. I think a lot of us feel that isolation and I was just like, gotta release it now or what does it feel like? You know, it's almost like off the topic. Yeah. Yeah. That song hits me right, right in the chest every time. Yeah. I I was shocked that other people dug it. I thought I was going to be like embarrassed when I told people that I really dug that song. But everyone else was like, no, we really like this one, too. And I was like, are we too, like, weird to admit it? Like, let's admit <laughs> it. We like all music. <laughs> I think it's actually one of the big reasons why I wanted to start the podcast, because I'm like, you know, we all have such diverse tastes in music. Like, we just got to start spilling it. Oh, yeah, totally. My record collection like, you, is weird definitely as introduced fuck. A, Like, a lot of new music that I haven't heard before. So, like, I have a playlist ready to make after this yeah i'm trying to listen to mostly new music but i don't i listen to i listen to everything and everybody says that right they they everybody says they listen to everything but maybe Some we do people are hardliners though like i i've met people who are like oh i only listen to hip-hop and it's like i like hip-hop too like i'll listen to that <laughs> and they're like no i bet you're just into hipster music and i was like i don't know what that means but Send me whatever you think is good. Yeah. I wish someone actually could define what hipster music is other than it's what hipsters listen to. Yeah, which means it changes constantly, so it's not it's not that's not a genre. Yeah. But right now I've been doing a Lana Del Rey. Um, not the current album, Norman fucking Rockwell. I feel like that one is superior. I don't know if you listen to any of her shit. I like I like I like the last one a lot. I haven't heard the I haven't heard um was it chemtrails in the trailer park? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that one yet, but I want to. I I, re- I like everything that I've heard of hers. The first song is really good. Um, there's another song that's really good in it. Uh, I forget the title though. That's how you know it wasn't that great for me. But I could listen to uh, Norman fucking Rockwell like all summer long. I feel like it could be like the tip off for the sad girl summer <laughs> instead of the white boy summer that Tom Hanks's kid keeps trying to promo. What? What is that? I have no idea. White boy um, summer. I recommend looking that look it up on YouTube. Tom Hanks's kid is actually really trashy. I cannot imagine them actually knowing each other, let alone being related to each other. But yeah, he like did like a video of himself shirtless in a car where he was like, you know, I think we all have to say it. I'm going to say it. I think it's going to be a white boy summer. And then he started listing like examples of like what white boys he wants to be like. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, your dad's got to be humiliated right now. Yeah, That's pretty, especially tone deaf for everything that's going on right now. Like, bad in general, but... I was like, it's not going to be a white boy summer. It's going to be a summer of riots if you haven't been paying yeah. attention. <laughs> Especially because we just can't stop shooting everybody. That That's a problem. That's somebody who's just in their ivory tower and totally disconnected. Rich as fuck. It's like you almost got to love how out of touch they are. But Jesus, he raised that kid wrong. Or he didn't raise them because he was too busy making amazing movies. Yeah. I don't know, Tom Hanks seems like such a good guy. He seems like he's got a good heart. That's what shocked, I think, most people, because most people ignored his kids, because we just think he's so great. Like, 
during the Me Too era, which I'd like to say we're kind of post right now, I think everyone's like, I really hope no one takes down Tom Hanks. Oh, like God. I'll lose all faith. Can you if imagine? They took him down. And now for this video to leak, it's like, no, nah, you didn't do something bad. Your kid did. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, do do we blame him? Like out of connection to knowing his poor son of a bitch kid. <sighs> like if he was not a millionaire, I would immediately assume that that guy was white trash. Right. Right. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, who knows how he was raised or what? How? If he was raised by the parents or if he can only speculate, I guess. Some people are just problem children. I mean, sometimes it's just like, I guess that one just ended up that way. Can't win them all. What's the kid's name? Which is just something that happens. Chet Hanks. Chet. I know it's a weird name. Like, it feels like a bro name. If I ever met someone named Chet, I'd be like, I probably am not going to like you. Oh, total bro name. Yeah. And he definitely has a broiness to his looks. Um, I try not to like get too into his drug problems, but it's like I can't decide if he's going through it again right now or he legitimately believes it's going to be a white boy summer. Huh. I don't know. I know like there's like hot girl summer, and right now most of my friends are like sad girl summer because like the music that's been coming out. I'm just like. I don't know, man. I feel like it's kind of boring to keep labeling the summers with weird names. Yeah. It's, I don't know. That's so inconsequential. Yeah. You get like the captions on Instagram so much, like hashtag hot girl summer. You know that there's going to be a hashtag thing with white boy summer over and over for the next couple months. Yeah. That is a path that I'd rather not trod down. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be riot summer instead. Yeah. I, I, oh, I yeah. There's... It. We're, we're going to burn shit down. Yeah. And Kiki will definitely come at me again <laughs> about my sign. I feel like Fucking any Kiki. controversial, like, protest or riot situation, she's going to come at me. Fucking Kiki and fucking Chet. Chet, if you're listening to this, fuck you. Fucking Kiki and fucking Chet. <laughs> And no one will get it. Like, they'll have to listen to the episode to be like, what the hell does that mean? It might be intriguing. I think people would be intrigued about like, the randomness of this episode. Because, <laughs> like, we, we did some good tangents. I'm proud of us. I think so. I feel good about it. Yeah. Okay. I have one off-the-record question, and then after that, I'll let you read and wrap up. All right. Okay, so the off-the-record thing, I'm doing a Patreon soon for the show, and only people who do this one tier will be able to access this question. So here we go. Obviously, I'm obsessed with coffee shops, and there's this really great one. If you come to Chicago, I'm going to drag you to it. It's called Wormhole, and it's, like, strictly an 80s theme. Like, they have a DeLorean in it and, like, Star Wars crap in it and just... Basically, it's like you're living in Stranger Things, but they happen to serve coffee. It's really cool. Very kitschy. They just opened up a second location that's called Wormhole 2, and it has a 90s theme. They have a lot of Wayne's World shit and uh, the cheesy horror slasher fix that came out and everything. Those posters and knickknacks and everything. 
So my question is, if you were to form a new wormhole coffee shop, what decade would you give it? Oh, I definitely would go, well, I mean, this is it kind of covers a lot of decades, but like put it somewhere during the Black Plague. Yeah. And Why? it would just be not fun. It would be like really not fun. And um, you could, costumes you could go for kind of like plague doctors and, um, you know, peasant starving peasants and things like that. I feel bad saying this now. Um, and there'd be only black on coffee, point, but the coffee would make you sick. And it would just be like dirty like have to and like fucked up. Give the coffee up. good names too. Oh yeah, ashes like, to ashes. Like, hell yeah! See, that would be great. You could do like charcoal coffee and name it that. Oh yeah, 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 totally. That charcoal infused coffee. I don't know if I'd go exactly. there though. <laughs> a Middle Ages one would be cool though. Like that's not really a decade either, but like a full on like you're you're like in the middle ages and you don't I just actually would like to coffee. imagine what kind of music would be playing <laughs> other than like stuff with the flute or something. Yeah. Like it would be like loot music. I'm, I'm totally in for loot music. A bunch of trillion. I feel like loots. I would go there and I would just order like water and then just watch everybody else have weird experiences. It'd be like a Renaissance fair coffee shop, which now just sounds horrible. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that just took the kick out of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like your era. That's very, very out there. <laughs> like, I was expecting you to go for, like, 50s, 60s, but I was like, no, okay. that That's the best answer I've heard for that question. <laughs> I'm glad that's off the it's record. Like, we're in the middle of a plague. Have a coffee shop devoted to an old plague. It'd be great. Yeah. They could have a hot wench summer, maybe. You know, you, when you're sad, you read sad books to feel less alone. Maybe when you're going through a pandemic, you delve into other pandemics to feel less alone. I'm a little fucked up by the fact that Netflix actually came out with a series called Pandemic, like a week before the pandemic really hit. Whoa. <laughs> it's definitely one of those moments where you're like, what did they know before us? Netflix knew. They did. They and then they were know. like, and everybody's just going to sit and watch this for the next year and maybe more. Exactly. Like, basically, the entire series is a big pandemic is about to come. This is how we're unprepared. This is what we can do. And I don't know if they're waiting like a week. So we'd be like, okay, we watched it. We know what to do. <laughs> they're just trying to help us. Obviously, it didn't click. No, no, they did not help us at all. I liked Contagion, though. They had that on Netflix at the same time, too. I'm telling you, Netflix knew. I'm not trying to be like Alex Jones conspiracy theory, but it was a little eerie that they had Outbreak and Contagion and this pandemic thing out right before it happened. <laughs> because um, in Contagion, they actually consulted a lot of people from like the WHO and the CDC, and it's... I swear to God, like a play-by-play -play of what we've been doing every single day for the last year. Is Contagion the one um, that it, it, Gwyneth Paltrow is in it? Yeah, she's patient zero. Yeah, yeah, that one was fucked up. Really good, but oh, Yeah. I don't think I can I mean, enjoy stuff like that anymore. Obviously, their disease caused you to die faster, 
which makes it like where you wonder like how it spread so easily. Because if you think that if someone died that quickly, they wouldn't be able to spread it. But I don't know much about illnesses. I think Although it was I'm a chronically ill person. I think it was like on surfaces, maybe. Like you would touch something. Yeah. Maybe it was airborne. I don't. I don't. It's been. A, it's been a long time since I've seen it. No, I don't think it was airborne. The one thing they didn't do, and I was totally wondering, like if the CDC and WHO consulted so heavily, they didn't really wear masks. And I was like, that feels like a failure there. Because then you couldn't see who the actors were. Probably lose all that star so power. Those were like. They did have so many famous celebrities. They had Matt Damon, and there's that other guy who's in so many movies, but I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> um, like, he's in Gattaca and shit like that. Someone said that he was in every movie and made fun of him on it, like, during the Golden Globes, and he just kind of stopped acting for a while. Huh. I don't know who that is. Yeah. I, I definitely am trying to figure out, like, Another deep Wikipedia hole. <laughs> I do remember Matt Damon though. He's kind yeah, of the he's he kind of the star the of it, dude. isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jude Law. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the guy I was thinking of. Jude Law has he, been in a lot he of shit. Was, yeah, he just like will pop up in anything. And some people were saying, like, oh my god, he might just pop up in like a random commercial or he'll get a credit for like baking cookies and bringing it to someone's set <laughs> and ever since then i think he was like shamed into like making less movies oh that's sad yeah because he's parade. a great actor yeah he felt felt like so good about it and then everyone's just like damn boy you seem desperate well he was in captain marvel so he's back doing at least something really i i haven't seen that one yeah he's like i kind of he- avoid that franchise. He's a uh, he's like one of the main characters. Well, I guess he's back at it then. He yeah, got back. over it. He's back. Jude Law, if you're listening to this, congratulations on coming back. Shout out to Jude Law. <laughs> See, we did another good shout out. It was a happy one. Like we love you, man. It'd be a cool name to have though, Law, because then you could make so many jokes about yourself. The long arm <laughs> of the law and all that. Breaking yeah. the law. See, I have the fun last name is Smart, so I get some good jokes, but usually they're just really basic as fuck, like where people just be like, are you smart? <laughs> You're lucky to not have a weird name at all. There's not a lot of last names, or there's not a lot of jokes for Gennady. People don't even know how to yeah. pronounce it. I mean, maybe they could be like, You're naughty, but... I've see, gotten Gennady by sexual. nature a lot. Gennady by nature mm-hmm. and like... People will rhyme with potty, but usually adults don't call toilets potty, so that one's That word me. always rubbed me wrong, especially as someone who has had, like, I have 11 nieces and nephews, and I'll hear my siblings be like, you got to go use the potty to them. I'm just like, why can't you just call it a toilet? It's just as easy to pronounce. Potty. I don't yeah, like it. I'm not going to say it ever out. again. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to read something of yours? What the hell? Let's do it. Hell yeah. I'm up for Stepping it. up to the plate. Adam Gennady. Yeah, Gennady by, Gennady by nature. 
I got that a lot in high school. I don't, that's okay. That's fine. Okay. So, all right. Um, I'm going to read a little bit from this book that I wrote called This is the End of Something, but it's not the end of you, and it's, it's a little novel. And if you're reading along in the home audience, it starts on page 195. Yeah, you never know, right? Cool. Here we go. Driving through Oklahoma the next day, it was colder and the land was flat and low and red. The sky lightened to a pale blue, the road ruler straight as far as you could see. It was earth the color of fresh blood and ahead of us black highway and cloudless sky in sharp relief. There were no cars, no houses or trees, all around us sun-baked rock flats, and we turned off the car stereo and listened to the road noise, tires on the asphalt, the steady hum, a low soft grind. We drove in silence, off in our heads. I thought of how sometimes in the midst of survival life will jerk you away from your home, how it will push you out across the map, away from the people you love or into the path of others. I thought about the people in my past, the ones I'd left behind or lost or lost track of. As you see people come into your life, and people leave. Some of them become family and some of them you never truly know. They drift away or leave suddenly and sometimes they die. You try to hold on to them, but life gets in the way. You make mistakes and because of those mistakes, you lose the people you love. You stay in contact or you don't. Everything will change always. This is something you have to accept or nostalgia will turn into disappointment and eat at you until there's nothing good left. You will think of familiar streets. You will dream of old love. In your mind, you will walk lost avenues and pass long vacant storefronts and see ghosts on every corner until your memories and your longing for what was before will poison you. You will either drown in past glory or you'll search for satisfaction in the place and time in which you stand. You will tell yourself to find new glories. You will learn to believe in the future and in hope, in potential, in second chances and second wins, in triumphs to come, new opportunities, unexpected quantities, surprise gifts, in doors open to you and in closed doors you will push open and in the locked doors you will smash down. You will stomp through the shitty battlefields of today looking for the victories of tomorrow. You will do this, but you will look back too. You will look back because you can't help looking back. You will look back as you sweat through the worst, meanest days when the whole world is pissing joyfully onto your head. You will look back for signs and explanations, for hints and familiarity. You are human, and because you are human. It was full dusk now, sunset the red of earth with iron in it. To the west where we'd just come, the sky was like fire over the plains. A few years ago, I would have imagined this as a fire to end all, to take back the land from its unworthy inhabitants, to be a closing note, a grand gesture, and a summation. But here I stand, my story told, and I want to tell you this is not the end. Things are ending each day, yet to those of us still here, we march on. The way of life we're used to goes away a little more every year, and we struggle to find what's next. We work and we rethink and we look for good moments to make it all worthwhile. We fill ourselves up with action and fellowship and thought. We suffer and we fight and we build lives to be proud of. Even if we fail, we push forward. We believe in the chance to get better, the possibility of satisfaction and reconciliation, the eventuality of some better moment. 
When the people we love die, we mourn them, and then we remember them. Part of what they were goes on with us, and what they were, and what we are, is now a doubled stitch in the great fabric of life on this lonely spinning rock, the vast starlit lifelessness of space hurtling out as far as we can reach. Us here, that life, it glows in the darkness as a beacon, a candle in the emptiness. Sometimes humanity is worse than a virus. We are steamrolling, heartless death. We are cancers in a wild onslaught. At our best, we are that dark field of flickering lights, the light of love, of hope, of reason and change. We are little lights, barely a match struck, but we are many. When we ourselves are gone, the people we love will remember us too, and some of what we were will go on with them. Even if we're alone in the world, our smallest good actions ripple outward into waves we'll never see. It goes on. Our gentleness, forethought, and stewardship rebuilds the world in small shares. Days that become night are an ending, but there's something else too, and if we're lucky, we wake up to a new morning. This is the end of something, but it's not the end of you. It goes on. It's all right, we can breathe again, wake up again, stand tall again, love again, make our lives in the image of our dreams again. We might leave our past in the places we came from, but we remember them. We tell their stories as we move forward. Again and again, it goes on. Again and again. All right, that was an amazing reading from Adam Gennady. If you want to find out more about him, check out his Wikipedia that we constantly joked about on the show, or his site, helloamerica.bandcamp.com. And as always, you can look him up on Twitter at the Hello America. You should definitely look more into his writing and his music, all of which are really rad. You can find a lot of his music on YouTube, and there are a lot of things you can find on Spotify as well. I recommend going retro and buying a cassette of his. New stuff on an old medium is always legit in my mind. As always, if you want to get to know more about us, find Textual Healing on Twitter at Pod Healing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you want to be extra supportive, take a look at our Patreon where you can either send us love or get behind-the-scenes content and other merch. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review. We love it when you give us good vibes. Check out past episodes. Keep a lookout for the new ones. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>